Welcome on into Cougs Daily. I am your host, Jay Catch. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Wednesday evening. Uh, a lot to get to today on the podcast. We're going to be previewing the BYU wide receiving core. I had a chance to catch up with BYU wide receiver Neil Pau, do a one-on-one with him at BYU Photo Day, Photo Day today. Uh, we'll be playing that interview for you. He had some good thoughts on the wide receiving core, his development as a wide receiver, how he even got to BYU in the first place, and everything that went into his getting his scholarship offer that had originally been pulled back. So a lot to get to there. We also have some BYU basketball scheduling news to talk about. A big-time commit that BYU thought that they might be able to reel back in after he departed for another program. Appears that he is going to another big-time program. We'll get to that all coming up here on Cougs Daily. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jay Cash, the host of the podcast here. Uh, thank you for tuning in. It's been a fun venture we've had. I believe this is a f- our first, like we made it through our first week. So, so thanks for tuning in. If you've heard all the podcasts, thanks for listening. You can go to um, SoundCloud. You listen to them there. You can subscribe on iTunes. You also can go to the Google Play Store and subscribe to the podcast there. Uh, working on getting it on podcatchers everywhere like Stitcher, uh, Spotify, everything else you can think of. We'll be working on that as well for you. But thanks so much for tuning in. All right, let's start things off tonight. A little bit of a down day today. Of course, BYU had media availability, but it was during the BYU team photo day, so we didn't really get to see practice, talk to players much about what we saw on the field as media, so not too much to report in the way of that. We'll get to some personnel notes for you here, and that um, that comes via Jay Drew. Jay, of course, a good friend, does incredible work working with the Salt Lake Tribune, and then he's doing um, great things. So he mentioned that um, Jay had a chance to talk to BYU tight ends coach Steve Clark that said that uh, tight end Nate Heaps who's been a backup um, quote messed his knee up something with the patellar tendon and is likely out for the season Um, he said that Clark added we may get him back at the end of the year so here's hoping that Nate Heaps is able to heal up quickly a couple other things for you um, with BYU in terms of the the different um, the sorry the roster is that um, two of the running backs that BYU's been waiting on to return Kavika Fanua and Cage Jay Hall. They are both players that are not in camp currently. BYU head coach Kalani Satake um, said that neither expected to be ready to play in the opener against Arizona. He didn't add on when or if the, uh, both running backs would be back with the team. So a little bit of the depth taking a hit there at the running backs position for BYU when it comes to the depth. KJ Hall's been a home run hitter when he's been healthy for BYU. He's struggled with injuries most of his career. So here's hoping he's able to get healthy. Kavika Fanua, he earned rave reviews when he's been in practice. But he's also been slowed with injuries. He had an ankle injury, if I'm not mistaken, in spring ball that I'm, I think has been limiting him in this offseason. So hopefully he's able to get back and get healthy. All right, so um, now let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the wide receivers. Uh, with yeah, without practice today, I want to do a, a preview here with the BYU wide receiving core. I've actually been very um, pleasantly surprised with the BYU wide receivers so far. I feel like they've done a good job for the most part early on in camp. Um, I take this with a grain of salt. We've we've only seen 30 minutes at a time as the media of a two-hour practice each time we've been out to practice. But I've been impressed with some guys. Uh, good friend Hans Olsen, he tweeted out a list. Uh, this is a couple days ago. Uh, actually, yesterday. He had a, his top six ranking of BYU wide receivers right now. Um, he listed them. Number one, Nil Pau. Number two, Aleva Hifo. Number three, Dylan Cauley. Number four, Micah Simon. Number five, Talon Shumway. And number six, Akile Davis. Um, I'm hard-pressed to really disagree with that list in terms of the ranking there. Um, I get that it's, it's semantics. Everybody has kind of the, what 
what they like in terms of guys that they like and what they think the, these guys can do. Um, I've really been impressed with Neil Pau. I had a chance to talk to him. We'll get to that interview here coming up momentarily. Um, Pau is a guy that I really think could have a breakout year this year. He has got all the size you'd ever want in a wide receiver. They list him at six foot four, two 213 pounds. He's a sophomore. Of course, he's out of Southern California. Santa Ana, I believe, is where he's from. Servite High School. Older brother Butch is a senior linebacker on this team. I feel like Pau has got all the physical tools and skills necessary to have a really good season for BYU. So I, I, I'm with hands. I believe that Neil is the number one wide receiver on my list currently. Some other guys that have stood out to me early on. I've really enjoyed what Dylan Colley has brought to BYU. Of course, the graduate transfer from Hawaii. Uh, he has the one season to play for BYU. And, of course, his family very connected with the Cougars program. His dad and two older brothers, both um, all, all three of them, sorry, played at BYU. So I think that he's he's settling in nicely. I think he's still kind of working on fine-tuning his ability as a wide receiver, really getting the hang of the offense. But I think that he is going to be a guy that is definitely going to play a role this year. And that's why you bring him in. You bring him as a graduate transfer, you expect him to play a role, plain and simple. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, I, I feel like it, he's listed at 5'10", 180. He's going to be a slot receiver. But Colley, his route running ability, his hands, he's just, everything you saw with Austin Colley, Zach Colley, and their 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 dad, Scott Colley, steady hands, guys that are super competitive, want to win games, guess what? Dylan Colley is no different. He wants to win games, and I think he is going to pay dividends for this BYU wide receiving core this season. Um, some other guys that have stood out to me, I've uh, well, there's a lot of hype for Gunnar Romney coming in here, the freshman out of Chandler, Arizona. Um, he's been limited by a hamstring injury reportedly early on in camp. The coaches have been really careful to make sure that he gets back to being healthy because hamstring injuries, they have a knack for just lasting forever if you don't get them right the very first time you injure it. So there's no need to push him at this point in my opinion. I just I would get him healthy and then work him in from there because I believe that you have some other options on this roster. Most notably, a guy like Micah Simon. I really liked what Simon brought to the field last year. I thought he was a competitive wide receiver. He played quarterback in high school down there in the Dallas area. And as a junior now, redshirt junior, he's been in the program for four years now. I think he is set to build upon last year. Hans Olsen listed him number four in his rankings. Um, I would probably put him number three in my list. I, so I would have Neil Pau number one, then Dylan Cauley two, and then I have probably have Simon number three. I really like what Simon can do on the field. I think he's a competitive wide receiver. He plays bigger than he's listed. I list him at 6'1 on the roster. He plays as a bigger wide receiver in terms of his ability on the field. And I really like what he brings. He's a really good leader I, from what I have seen with the BYU wide receiving core. Um, I, I'm expecting Simon to build on his season last year. Of course, I felt like last year the two best options BYU had on their offense were Micah Simon and Matt Bushman, two pass catchers. Of course, Bushman gets the freshman All-American honors. Simon didn't have the year that would garner him any All-American um, honors or anything like that. But I still feel like he had a good year. 27 receptions, 386 yards. Had a long of 50 yards and three touchdowns on the season. Um, He came on strong down the stretch, I felt like. And I think that he's going to be a guy that can really um, impact this BYU football team if he's able to get some more one-on-one coverage, etc., with 
with better quarterback play, plain and simple, that's that's the biggest thing. They need to get some. They need to get some better quarterback play. You can look at the stretch run last year. So starting with the game at East Carolina um, for Simon last year, he finished the season with four, three, three, one, two, four receptions, respectively, all the way down through the Hawaii game. Um, in that stretch, of course, BYU goes three and three to finish out the year on their way to four and nine. I think that Simon is going to be a guy, like I said, that can really make an impact this year, really um build upon what he did last year and hopefully hopefully show better. Um, another guy that I feel like needs to show up in games because we see him in practice all the time and he does great things in practice. Of course, um, on last Friday, had a awesome touchdown reception in the corner of the end zone off a pass from Zach Wilson. That would be Talon Shumway. Um, he's also another junior. He's out of um, Lone Peak High School kid that had big expectations entering the season last year. He finished the year with 28 receptions and 306 yards, no touchdowns on the year. Um, I felt like he was primed to have a better year last year. Um, sorry, 25 receptions for 257 yards. I was looking at his career, his career stats. So he had 25 receptions for 257 yards in 2017. Like I said, I just felt like he was primed for a better year last year, and it didn't really show up on the field. And hopefully he's able to do that this season. Um, of course, a former basketball player, played with the so-called Lone Peak 3 there at Lone Peak High School. Talon was kind of the defensive stopper for TJ Hawes, Nick Emery, and Eric Mika. I feel like Shumway, he's got all the ability in the world, and hopefully he's able to show up in games and show what he can do. 6'3", 210 pounds. He's got the size that you want to see in wide receiver. Uh, maybe not necessarily the most fleet of foot in terms of wide receivers, but it's still plenty fast enough to be capable so we'll see what happens with that i'm really excited to see what he can do a couple other guys i wanted to talk about are two guys that are probably more um, suited to play in the slot that would be aleva hifo of course the wide receiver out of um, the inland empire down there in california Hifo's a guy that has just been kind of a he's been a steady player he came in as a freshman they expected him to make an impact and he did decent he's been building on that he's now a junior his fellow junior enoke lotulale has kind of had a slow slow start to his career after coming off a mission um, he's been in the program for a few years hasn't really necessarily contributed a ton, but I think that he could definitely be a guy that could make an impact. Um, so Hefo last year, 37 receptions, 437 yards, um, had two touchdowns on the season last year. I feel like he is a guy that um, when he's able to um, break out, like let's look at so the East Carolina game last year was his breakout performance of the year. It garnered him a large chunk of his statistical um what he gained in statistics last year nine receptions 148 yards well when he's on his game he is absolutely phenomenal he he really can he has some game breaking ability he can get open and he can get down the field he's got plenty of wheels on him to to do things and Nokelo Tulele on the other hand hasn't really been on the field we haven't seen him so he's listed at 5'9 190 I've actually been impressed with his route running in fall camp so far but until you see it on the field you can't really um, count on much about it so it'll be interesting to see what ultimately plays out with what Enoke can do on the field but Aleva Hifo I think him, pairing him with Dylan Colley is something that BYU can really benefit from I think it'd be a really good um, addition for the Cougars and hopefully pays off dividends in terms of depth um, we mentioned Gunnar Romney a little bit ago with him being a freshman the hamstring injury they're expecting him to come, on, come in and have an impact right away a couple other freshman receivers on the 
the roster include Dax Milne, who from Bingham High School, he's a freshman walk-on. He had a nice touchdown from Jaron Hall in a team portion the media watched in one of the practices early on in fall camp. Um, played in a program that ran the ball a lot in high school, but I feel like Milne is a good player. His teammate, who is on scholarship, um, also a fantastic athlete, is Braden Cut. Braden Cosper out of Bingham High School as well. Uh, Cosper hasn't necessarily shown as much during the media portions of practice so far this year, but both of those guys will have to kind of earn their stripes because there's plenty of talent and depth on this wide receiving core. So as a true freshman, you're going to have to come in and really make an impact to see what happens. Now, uh, before we get to this interview with Neil Pau, I want to get to one guy who is just a little bit of an enigma to me. I feel like he should have a bigger impact on this team. I felt like he's been overlooked at points. He's been changed to multiple positions in his career, and that would be the guy, if you've been keeping track at home, the guys we haven't we haven't talked about here, is Akile Davis. He's a redshirt junior. He came in in the same class as Micah Simon. In his career, he has a total of a grand total of one reception for nine yards. Former three-star prospect at a DeSoto High School, one of the best high school programs in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is 6'2", 205 pounds. Uh, trained with former BYU wide receiver Margin Hooks as part of his Stars Under Construction um, series down there in Texas. Margin Hooks has been very high on Akili Davis's skills. I don't know what it is about Akili Davis that has not allowed him to get on the field and to contribute. Like I said, he's been moved to different positions. He's played cornerback multiple times in terms of a position change. Um, they moved him to, they've moved him around trying to get him into the right spots. I really felt like he stood out in spring ball this year. So far in fall camp, I haven't seen as much from Akile Davis. Granted, we haven't seen as much of fall camp as we saw in spring camp, so he's got, still got plenty of time to get healthy and get going. But I'm hoping that Akile Davis can finish out his career on a high note. Two years left in a BYU uniform, but like I said, one reception, nine yards. For a kid that came in with some decent accolades, I feel like he should have he should have really done something by now, and I'm hoping he still has something to to prove and that he's able to come out and have a big year because if he's able to do it like I said it only adds to the depth for the BYU Cougars so there you go that's kind of my analysis of the wide receiving core so far through fall camp kind of what I expect this year so like I mentioned right off the top Hans Olsen he listed he had his top six of wide receivers Nil Pau number one Aleva Hifo number two Dylan Cauley three Micah Simon four Talon Shumway five Akili Davis six he mentioned this this in terms of speed route running hands and size and what I see in potential production. He says, Dylan is his wild card. Talon needs to show me in games. I completely agree that Dylan Cauley is the wild card, and also Talon Shumway needs to show up in games. Here's how I would rank it. This is kind of my top six, I guess. Maybe seven or eight, but I have Neil Pau, number one. I agree with Hans Olsen there. I would have Dylan Cauley, two. Micah Simon, four. Talon Shumway, five. Micah Simon, three. Talon Shumway, four. Aleva Hifo, five. Um, and then I would actually put um, an OK low to the late number six, Akile Davis seven, and then probably a, a Gunnar Romney, Dax Mill, and Braden Cosper, any of the freshmen there at number eight in terms of the wide receiving core. Early on in fall camp, plenty of time for that to kind of play out. All right, enough talking about it. Let's get to it. Here is my interview with Butch, uh, not Butch Pau, Nil Pau, his brother. Here's the sophomore wide receiver with me earlier today at BYU Photo Day. All right, here with Nil Pau. Nil, your journey to get to BYU was kind of crazy with the whole having an offer, having it pulled back, and then getting it once again. Mm-hmm. 
Can you recap what it took to get finally finally to get here? Um, I guess just a lot of uh, hard work and then just trusting the Lord pretty much. So obviously the journey started off, offered sophomore, pulled my senior year, went on a mission, just one thing in mind, just uh, if I did everything that you'd asked of me on doing what you would want me to do for these two years, then hopefully at the end of these two years that um, I the scholarship would ultimately be back. So uh, coming back off of the mission probably two or three months before I, got, I get home, I get the call from my dad, or my dad emails me about the call, was to talk, and he tells me that it was given back. Um, so going out to those two years, just straight hard work, not worried about football, not worried about things back at home, just trying to focus on one thing in mind, and that is just, do, just doing everything the Lord would want me to do. Um, then getting here, um, ultimately just was all hard work and then now that i'm here just continuing that hard work from the mission kind of just carries over to everyday life now so when you came to byu were you slotted as a wide receiver did they bring you in as an athlete and said hey we'll figure it out so they put me down as a tight end just because they thought i'll get as big as my brother okay um obviously that hasn't worked out so i stayed at wide receiver last spring didn't really gain a lot of weight um I don't know. I guess my body just doesn't turn out like my brother. So I um, ended up just staying at receiver. So uh, after spring last year, going into summer, then into fall camp, just knowing that I was a receiver, putting more work in just the receiver side of things to understand, um, I guess, what they have to do yeah. and how to be successful with it. So You've carved out quite the role for yourself, a wide receiver. Did you play wide receiver growing up, or has it been kind of you've grown, kind of learned on, learning on the fly? No, I was definitely learning on the fly. I played my senior year receiver, um, so then on a mission, I practiced kind of both because I didn't know what I would play here, and then ultimately getting here, they put me in receiver. So everything's been kind of new, but it's been kind of kind of fun, and it's been. Uh, easier just understanding defenses and stuff going into it. Yeah. Uh, as a receiver, I can already see shifts and stuff kind of happen, so it makes reading defenses that much easier, just understanding where safeties want to be, corners, what they want to give up, and what they don't want to give up and stuff. So, I know Butch plays middle linebacker, but does he help you with that? Um, on different coverages, I'll go to him and ask him what... Uh, Mostly what the backers do okay. and where their alignments and drops are in different coverages. So I understand when I'm in the slot where I can be most successful with certain plays, certain plays, either breaking inside or outside. Um, why do they leverage outside in a certain defense or leverage inside on a certain defense? So all of that, he's definitely kind of helped with, with that. So it's been kind of helpful. With the receiving uh, group this year, you guys are looking at a new offense, of course. You went through spring and everything. Uh-huh. What's the biggest difference between last year's offense and this offense? Um, I think there's just more versatility to it. Okay. Um, I guess the complexity. Complexity? complexity. Yeah, complexity. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. Well done. You got it. Um, I think uh, revved up just a little. Okay. Um, so. Putting both of those together with obviously some great coaches uh, to carry it forth is definitely, I guess, with the offense coming up, I think it will be exciting this year. It will be exciting to put up some points and uh, be able to see everyone kind of just succeed in their own roles, whatever Coach Grimes has in store for all of us. So. You mentioned playing in the slot. Are you kind of playing two spots, essentially? Yeah, being in both. They had us right from the get-go. Once they came in in January, just learned the whole offense. And it was it was interesting why they did that. I didn't understand it. I didn't really agree with it. Um, but once, slowly but surely, everything just started to make sense. 
um, you kind of know the offense as a whole instead of knowing just the position. Yeah. And let's say that we switch sides, you wouldn't be like, oh, dang, I don't know a certain play. But you know the whole offense. Mm-hmm. So typically what we'll do in the huddle, we'll just stay on our same sides, yeah. wherever we are, instead of, like, switching. And just doing that just makes it also that much easier to understand where the person, either outside or the slot, what they're doing because it just helps you with the route recognition and where you want to go with the, your own route. Okay, I know you're out at receiver, so you're not seeing these guys necessarily in the pocket, yeah. but what have you made of the quarterback so far? Um, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be a hard decision, whoever's deciding who will start come Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the quarterback position, it seems like it's narrowed it down. Uh, but obviously we don't worry about it. There's a lot of things that we got to fix. But so far in fall camp, they, everyone has done super well. Um, especially Zach and Tanner, those two have, have stuck out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they kind of play it out and let them decide for themselves who has, I guess, won over the team in a sense. And it'll probably be Coach Grimes and Coach A-Rod, the whole off of the staff, but... I'm just excited. I don't have to make the decision. (laughs) Last question for me. Um, Dylan Cauley, graduate transfer coming in here to BYU. Mm -hmm. What have you made of him? Um, He's smart. Uh, He's a smart football player. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, So besides him being a shirt catcher, I think he's just smart. Also with the help of his brother playing in the NFL, kind of helped him with understanding uh, defenses, uh, defenses and stuff. So seeing him motion and the way he'll call out certain things before it's even ran, just kind of what coverage they're about to uh, get into has been something that I've caught slowly and try to add into my own game. So he's just a very smart uh, football player. It's excited to have him on the team, and we're just all excited just to see uh, what we all can do as a position group to make up for, I guess, last year in a sense. So. Awesome. Thanks so much, Neil. Yeah, thank you. There you have it. Neil Pau talking with me at BYU Photo Day earlier today. I am really excited. I feel like Neil Pau is primed to have a breakout campaign for B- for BYU this season. And if he does that, it's all the better for BYU because they already have some proven options and guys like um, Aleva Hifo, Dylan Cauley, Micah Simon, um, Talon Shumway to a lesser degree. And if he's able to break out and maybe put together a season where he's, he's challenging maybe 800 yards and six, seven touchdowns, man, he's setting himself up for his final two years of his career to really do something. So it would be interesting to see how it plays out. But I am rooting for Neil Pau. Thank him for taking the time to talk with me. I thought he was very well thought out in terms of his responses. Really crazy on in terms of his um, how he got to BYU. He just he focused on missionary work and decided he would uh, let things play out how they did, and they worked out for him. So glad to have him at BYU, and we'll, we will see what happens there. All right, we'll take a break right now. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the BYU schedule, not scheduling, the BYU conference schedule in terms of BYU, BYU men's basketball. It was released earlier today. Get to some of the notable games for you. That's coming up right here on Cougs Daily. And we're back here on Cougs Daily. Thank you so much for tuning in on this Wednesday evening, August 8th. A lot to go on with uh, BYU in terms of basketball, football, etc. Let's talk about basketball here for a minute. We came down earlier today that BYU and the rest of the WCC had their conference schedules put out. Of course, some reform put in place earlier on in the offseason. Um, the BYU and the other programs in the WCC would have a new scheduling format where you play um, so that you play 
two teams only once during the conference schedule. The rest of the teams, you play the ho- traditional home and home. So BYU gets their schedule. They will start out conference play January 3rd, the weekend of January 3rd and the 5th on the road. When they go to the University of Pacific, also, uh, no, sorry, yeah, University of Pacific and also St. Mary. So you're kicking off the conference schedule right off the bat. Pacific with Damon Stoudemire's um, crew. That was a tough game last year. He, he has his team playing hard. And then BYU faces Randy Bennett's St. Mary's Gales right off the bat. So it's always it always seems to be BYU plays St. Mary's early on in the conference slate. And it's always a tough battle. BYU struggles on the road there in Moraga. So we'll see what happens this season to kick things off. Um, the other notable games is the BYU um, will face St. Mary's at home on January 24th, Thursday. I would imagine that game gets consideration for a national TV broadcast window, maybe 9 o'clock, tip, etc. We'll see what happens there. They face Gonzaga for the first time a week later on January 31st, a Thursday night at home. That one with Gonzaga considered to be a top 10, maybe a top 5 nationally ranked team. You could definitely see that one being a national TV game. And then, of course, they'll get the rematch with Gonzaga. They actually um, played the second to last weekend of conference play at Gonzaga. They will face them on a Saturday up there at the Kennel on February 23rd, a Saturday. That one most likely will be on ESPN, etc. Who knows what happens. Uh, BYU will finish out conference play the weekend of February 28th to March 2nd. Uh, They will be hosting, so they they actually have a bye um, that weekend on the Thursday before they um, face travel partner San Diego on March 2nd as they wrap up conference play. I think the schedule lays out decently well for BYU. It's not necessarily loaded one way or the other in terms of a bunch of road games versus a bunch of home games in one half of the conference season versus the other. Of course, it's no longer the traditional round robin where you play everybody once and then go back through. Like I said, BYU finishes up play against St. Mary's before they even face Gonzaga. Um, So it's kind of interesting that way. Uh, Four of their first six conference games are on the road at Pacific, at St. Mary's, at Pepperdine, and at San Francisco. But of course, they follow that up with three straight home games before they go back out on the road for four of six again so just kind of how it plays out for BYU but like I said I don't necessarily see it being too loaded one way or the other um, in terms of your marquee opponents in Gonzaga and St. Mary's and maybe a team like um, University of Pacific to a lesser degree I just feel like it's it works out in BYU's favor overall and we'll see what happens of course this season BYU is scheduled extremely tough in the non-conference of course starting things off right off the bat with probably and I think was, I've heard that seen, seen this from some other people that the basketball the season opener at Nevada to kick off the season might be the best game that's not one of those made for TV games the Champions Challenge I remember what they call it the Champions Challenge or whatever where they have the Dukes and the Michigan States and the the big marquee teams play they said that this Nevada team could be a top five team so BYU and Nevada kicking things off there in Reno on November 6th really kicks thing could really be one of the best games of the opening night in college basketball. Of course, other highlighted games on BYU's schedule include Houston. Uh, They'll be facing them in Provo at the Marriott Center. Of course, the in-state games, they face Weber State, UVU, Utah State. Uh, They face Utah at Vivint Smart Home Arena as part of the new Beehive Classic, that doubleheader that'll pit pit Weber State against Utah State and BYU versus Utah. They're at Vivint Smart Home Arena in a a doubleheader format. That is December 8th on a Saturday. And also some um, other non-conference games. A road game at Mississippi State, also a road game at San Diego State and UNLV in Las Vegas. 
let's put it this way. Dave Rowe scheduled up. He realizes this schedule needs to be stout enough for BYU if they want to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large bid with Gonzaga seemingly sitting there just atop the WCC, which is going to almost preclude you from getting that automatic um, entry into the NCAA tournament. I feel like this schedule is set up for BYU to really put together a resume if they're able to win games. That's the thing. You can't go out and lay eggs against Nevada, Houston, Utah, and UNLV, San Diego State, and Mississippi State and say, hey, we played a tough schedule. No, you got to win the games. That's the biggest thing. Just win, baby. The old Al Davis reference. It's, it's tried and true, and it works across all sports. So there you go. Some BYU basketball news for you here on this Wednesday night. We'll keep you updated as that season gets closer, which is wild. I believe they're under 100 days before we get going with BYU basketball and that's just it it's bizarre to me that I, I feel we, this is a topic for another day. I feel like college basketball should be moved to later on in the year. Should maybe start around Christmas or the new year and play it in the winter semester. But that's just me. I, I get it. There's tradition and people just um, people get upset when you try and mess with things. But just my take that I believe that it should be moved. So there you go. Some BYU scheduling news for you. Like I said, the marquee games, the four games, uh, two against St. Mary's and two against Gonzaga. First one is at St. Mary's January 5th on a Saturday. They host St. Mary's January 24th at the Marriott Center for the Cougars and then uh, host Gonzaga January 31st at home before finishing out that four-game set February 23rd at Gonzaga. Filling in the blanks um, inside of that with the other teams on the conference schedule. I like the new format for the WCC, and I feel like it's beneficial for BYU and all parties involved. All right, we'll take our penultimate time out here. We'll come back with some quick hits, get to some of the other news and notes when you get to get to tonight before we wrap things up right here on Cougs Daily. Welcome back to Cougs Daily. Thank you so much for tuning in here on this Wednesday evening. Quick hits before we wrap things up here on the podcast. Uh, some BYU baseball news and some BYU football recruiting news to get to here. Let's start off with the recruiting news. Uh, BYU last year had a five-star prospect by the name of, he went with he went with Brandon Caho or Caho, however you want to pronounce it, before he decided he wanted to go by his um, Polynesian name, Ale Caho. Um, he ultimately decommitted from BYU, signed with Washington, was actually the highest rated um, prospect that the, 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 the Huskies had ever signed. He was the number one rated inside linebacker in the 2018 class, according to the 24-7 sports rankings. Um, he never actually enrolled at Washington, had some family difficulties reportedly. I believe that aunt and an uncle died, um, had an accident. Also, his parents got divorced. He ultimately asked for a release from Washington, which I need to tip my hat to Washington head coach Chris Peterson. He released Caho with no restrictions whatsoever. A lot of coaches... When they feel like they've gotten spurned, they they really um, get petty about it. I'm not going to lie. You get petty, and they, they restrict guys from transferring. That rule change is coming into college football to res- to keep that from happening. That will take effect later this uh, fall. But Ale Cajo gets the release from Washington. 
Uh, I think a lot of BYU fans said, hey, maybe we get a chance here. Kalani Satake was asked about it at Media Day today. Said that, hey, it's something that if, if they're willing to come back and join the program that they originally committed to, he can't name Kaho by, um, by name because of NCAA rules, but he said we'd be happy to have him back. Well, um, looks like that's not going to happen. Uh, Ali Kaho is headed to Alabama. He's going to the Crimson Tide. A source close to the situation says that Alabama will be his landing spot. He actually might leave for Tuscaloosa as early as tonight, according to reports. I just look at this, and if you're a Utah Jazz fan who also happens to pay attention to BYU, you are very intimately familiar with the Derek Fisher saga. Of course, Derek Fisher joined the Utah Jazz as a free agent, had a great um, season with the with the Jazz, some notable performances in the playoffs, etc. Then after the season, after signing a three-year contract, uses his daughter, um, her medical conditions, as a way to get the Miller family to release him from his contract. Larry H. Miller to his credit uh did it he just he he released him from his uh, from his contract he claimed that he needed to go to new york or one of these bigger cities to get the treatment for his daughter and he very quickly returned to the los angeles lakers where he proceeded to continue to torture utah jazz fans a lot of jazz fans very miffed about that okay I'm not going to criticize a kid who for going where he wants to go to college. It's not my that's not my issue here. It's just that it does not look good in terms of the optics of this. Huskies head coach Chris Peterson cited quote personal reasons for the release of Ali Kaho from his national letter of intent and then he decides literally days later, "Hey, I'm going to go join the Alabama Crimson Tide after using excuses like I like I want to be closer to home. I've got family situations to be closer to home." Okay, here's the thing. Last I checked, Seattle's closer to Reno, Nevada than Tuscaloosa, Alabama is to Reno, Nevada. I'm just saying the optics of this don't look great, so hopefully Cajo knows what he's doing and is willing to put up with some of the PR flack he's going to take from this. I think that he's going to take some flack for it. I would imagine it's already on social media. Washington fans probably aren't very happy. Like I said, he was the number one rated inside linebacker in the 2018 recruiting class. Would have been great to see him with BYU, but he is going to join the juggernaut that is the Alabama Crimson Tide. Best of luck to Ale Cajo. Hopefully it all plays out for him like he intends, but like I said, the optics of it are not great. All right, some other news to get to here is BYU baseball. Uh, a new pickup for the BYU baseball program. Mike Littlewood has added has announced the hiring of Michael Bradshaw as the Cougars' new uh, b- pitching coach. So congratulations to Mike Littlewood on the addition to his program. Here's the thing. The BYU baseball program, Littlewood was brought in to really um, raise the profile of this program to get them back to the NCAA tournament. He's done a good job at doing that. And I think an addition of a pitching coach like this, like a Michael Bradshaw, is just another step in hopefully raising the, the bar a little bit more for the BYU baseball program. Didn't have the greatest season last year, but he comes from the University of Arizona where he was the assistant director of baseball operations for the last three years under head coach Jay Jones. Johnson. Um, he was part of two NCAA tournament runs, including an NCAA runner-up finish after Arizona advanced to the College World Series final during his time with the Wildcats. Hey, he comes from a winning program. Hopefully it all works out the way that, we, um, that Mike Littlewood intends it to work out. Bradshaw um, was at the University of Nevada helping the Wolfpack win the school's first Mountain West Conference title before he went to Arizona. He was actually a pitcher at Nevada from 2012 to 2014. 20 appearances in his career. In his career. So, Hey, like I said, Mike Littlewood, uh, they 
they want to raise the profile of this team. They want to become a perennial NCAA tournament team. Big investment from the school to put in that artificial turf field this past year. Um, I don't think they necessarily expected a 22 and 28 record like they had in 2018, but hopefully they can get things righted, get the right guys in place, and I think this is a move to help do that. A dedicated pitching coach can only help. Pitching is a premium in college baseball. Of course, the best pitching normally is drafted straight out of high school, straight into the major league baseball ranks, the minor league system there. So. For BYU baseball to compete, especially in a baseball power conference like the West Coast Conference is with all these warm weather schools for the most part, you need to have pitching and you need to make sure it's taken care of. So hopefully Bradshaw is able to help raise the uh, the pitching level for the Cougars, which in turn would help them be a better program overall. All right, there you have it. That's the podcast for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can always reach out, like I said, on Twitter at Cougs Daily for the show Twitter pit. Uh, Twitter feed. My personal Twitter feed is at Jacob C. Hatch. Always feel free to drop me an email at jhatch77 at gmail.com. Let me know what questions you got, comments, concerns. Please um, consider subscribing. It's free, of course. They're on Apple Podcasts. You also can do it on the Google Play Store. Subscribe. Give us a rate and review if you don't mind taking the time to do so. It helps raise the profile of the podcast. It's always fun. We'll be back tomorrow uh, getting you ready for Friday's practice with BYU uh, position preview to come as well might be looking at the defensive line also could be looking at the running back position we'll see what happens see what I decide I want to talk about tomorrow and we'll also be re- recapping whatever news comes out because it's fall camp things always seem to happen we'll be we'll have it all for you right here on Coots Daily <laughs>